Hey guys, this is Allie, and I want to welcome you back to A Matter of Crime. I took a break for quite a while. Um, I lost my co-host, as in he lost interest, and so I picked up a brand new one. Hey guys! <laughs> this is Lindsay, and we have been friends for a really, really long time, since like middle school, and um, we both discovered that we both have a true crime interest, so... You mean obsession? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Pretty much an obsession, um, an obsession with true crime podcasts, and uh, so we're just going to kind of pick up where Chris and I left off, so just excuse that um, year-long break that we took. We're trying not to have a year between the next No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Hopefully we're going to upload them um, once a week, and um, we're going to start this week with the topic of the Native American genocide, which is not a fun topic. Well, obviously when you told me what we were doing, it was the hardest thing to not immediately start to research it. Yeah. It's, I've done a lot of research and, um, I think like I mentioned before that I'm uh, getting my master's in history right now. So I already knew a lot about this, um, but just to be able to write it down, uh, just for this first episode, I think I've got like six pages of notes. So it's definitely going to be a two part episode. Oh, well, you know, that way we have the next one ready to go. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be, um, hopefully it'll be interesting and it'll, It'll just educate a lot of people about what uh, the indigenous people of uh, North America have been through and have suffered at the hands of, you know, the government. So, um... And are still suffering through. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, not too long ago, I think a few months ago, it was... Or actually this summer, um, I didn't know that they had a missing and murdered Indigenous Women's Day, like I an awareness either. day. Yeah, so that's uh, still a major issue that, you know, a lot of true crime podcasts are starting to pick up on and really talk about the uh, rampant spree of missing and murdered Indigenous and Native women because it happens a lot and they don't get a lot of media attention. So Because they're not petite little blonde white girls yeah exactly exactly so they're they're really they're actually more targeted just because they're quote unquote easier you know targets the they're more i guess not more missable they're less missable like right they don't get so much attention that strangers don't miss them yeah exactly exactly you know they're no like Natalie Holloway or Holly Bobo or whatever. Or Elizabeth and, Smart. Yeah, like, those kind of things. So, um, yeah, this should give you guys a history of kind of what they've been through in this country. So, do you want to go ahead and get started? Yeah, let's go. Okay. So, we're going to talk about um, the first Americans. Um, the natives of North America were very large and diverse people. And their dates are largely debated by archaeologists, but most of the natives crossed over from Siberia during the last ice age between 60 and 15,000 years ago. So they've been here for a really long time. For this land to have been discovered later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, discovered, you know, however you want to use that word. Um, so, while the New World was still new to Europeans, it was hardly new. Uh, the first inhabitants spread across North and South America um, 11,000 years ago. And around 9,000 years ago was when they developed agriculture in Mexico and spread across the continent, making settled civilizations. 
Um, yeah, so, you know, you hear a lot that they were like nomads and that they all lived in these teepees or tents and didn't, but they actually had settled civilizations. You know, their houses had foundations and they had like built up agriculture communities. And they buried their loved ones and ancestors and they didn't want to leave where they left their families. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like that's why, you know, you hear about Indian burial grounds. Um, they that's exactly what they were and they didn't leave. You know, they have like giant mat every uh different tribe had their own rituals, but yeah. So I mean it would be like if if you marry I mean you buried your relative your loved one Mm -hmm. i mean you typically wouldn't go too far away especially when you don't have like modern transportation yeah exactly it's just walking or a a horse or whatever like you wouldn't just pick up and leave like you want to stay close to your family yeah and because they had so many different burial rituals um i'm sure that it was something that they continued to observe you know every year throughout the year you know Kind of like the Mexico's Day of the Dead celebration. I'm sure it had some kind of roots in this kind of ceremony. For sure. But he may have told him to put it down. (laughs) Sorry for the garage door break. (laughs) So the Europeans insisted that they were freeing the natives from their backward lives. And you can't see me doing air quotes, but just know that I do a lot of air quotes. Uh... So, speaking of freedom... Girl, free me from what? (laughs) Let me have that. Free me from uh, being able to eat without you and, like, clothe my children without your interruption. Excuse me. And made up fake money. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let me just... Everything that you love doing, let me take that away and give you all this shit that you don't want to do. Right. Oh, we're all of a sudden going to monetize everything about your life because that's what's important. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So... And it's Um, only important because that's the idea that they brought from Europe. Yeah. They used money over there. Right. And over here, it was just like... So, they couldn't fathom... They couldn't fathom a world without money in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of freedom, um, a lot of early Europeans thought that natives embodied freedom, saying that they held such absolute notions of liberty that they allow no kind of superiority and banish all servitude from their land, which was actually uh, fairly accurate. You know, they didn't really consider one person to be better than another. There was a, it's not Native American, but it's uh, from Moana. When Maui says, he keeps calling her princess and she Mm -hmm. finally gets fed up. She's like, I'm not a princess. I'm the daughter of the chief. Right. It's that kind of like, that's not this. Don't, like, she's trying to explain, like, we're not royalty. Don't we're just, put me up on this pedestal. Like, like we're just like everybody else. Yeah. Like, I'm the daughter of a chief, not... Like, that doesn't mean the same thing as a princess. They're not equal titles. Exactly. Like, don't try to put your European definitions onto what we do because you can't fathom it. Yes. Uh, so it's true that Native Americans didn't technically own their property, um, but they also valued family ties and working for the betterment of the whole group, you know? So in Europe, freedom was a collection of named and distinct rights and privileges, which obviously they didn't have here. And one common opinion was that freedom was a religious condition free from sin. So freedom meant conforming to a religion and it was essential to the public order. But let me just take it back a little bit. 
they didn't like how it was in Europe. So they moved to a, the new world. Yeah. Air quotes, the new world. <laughs> just to, in, like, just to reinstate all the same old rules that they had. Right. So one of my main theories, and there is some evidence to support this, is that the majority of the people that came here uh, came here because there was no upward mobility in Europe. And there was no way for people on the bottom to ever get rich and grow because it wasn't like a disbursement of wealth at all. And there was no capitalism. Like, not that capitalism's great, but you couldn't like um, go go just start a business and become wealthy. It wasn't like that. Yeah, so, you were so poor that the bank wouldn't give you a loan. Mm-hmm. So then you couldn't get the business, like the startup cost taken right. care of. So like you're perpetually stuck in this. Yeah. And And then your kids get stuck in it. And then their kids get stuck in it. And And there was, like, the feudal system. So, like, you basically belong to the Lord who belonged to the king. And the Lord owned all the land that the king gave him. And the Lord wasn't going to give you any land. So, it was just, like... No, because that takes away part of his power. Exactly. the more land you have, the more powerful you are. Yeah, exactly. So, it was was that they came here to try to get a piece of, you know, wealth and... They, it wasn't necessarily for, you know, you hear about religious freedom, you hear about, you know, persecution, that kind of thing. I don't think it was for that. I think it was for the ability to actually be wealthy. Well, because of religion being such a big part of their life, they probably fed that story mm-hmm. more. Like, yeah, they'll say in public, like in front of people, oh, it's religious freedom. But really, right. they know that they were trying to get out from under somebody else's boot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. So, um, we're going to talk about the different groups of people that came here. Um, there were a lot of different groups of people that came to North and Central America. But um, the three main ones were the Spanish, the French, and the British. And we're going to start with the Spanish. So, because they were some of the first. So, they ruled from Argentina all the way to Florida. And everywhere in between. Uh, Their rule was based on their use of native populations and efforts to farm. So, basically, they tried to enslave them. Yeah. And as early as 1514, the Spanish approved marriages to natives to aid in their crusade of assimilation. So, they were already all about that assimilation and whitewashing. Through this intermingling, uh, by 1600, nearly all of the original inhabitants had been wiped out by disease. That's disgusting. (laughs) Freaking wash your hands. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wash your hands, wear a mask, uh, use germs, hand sanitizer. I don't, they didn't. Social distance, get away from me. Right. Well, I mean, (laughs) obviously we kind of understand what happened. You know, the natives weren't, hadn't been living in the same kind of conditions that Europeans had. And so they weren't already immune to things like, you know, smallpox and the plague and, you know, different diseases that the Europeans had had generations to get used to because they were living in such close quarters. Yeah, and then they cram them all on a big ship. Yeah. And, you know, probably pass stuff around a few times and then it's no big deal. But then get off the boat and then give it to everybody. Right. Well, the Native Americans had their own fun, um, like, version of syphilis that they were immune to that they gave to the Europeans. So, that was fun. That's good. I'm glad they got some payback at least a little bit. Yeah, that, like, ate their brain. It's fine. Yeah. No big deal. (laughs) Um, Maybe that's what's wrong with 
the world. We just keep giving each other diseases that eat each other's brains. Yeah, I think we've had a little too much. Um, is there such thing as like reverse evolution? Because I think we're doing that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it would be called, but I can definitely <laughs> tell somebody, you a thing. I need somebody to look it up, please. Um, yeah, t- somebody tell us what's the opposite of evolution, like because we're going backwards. Yeah, de de evolution. I guess, but is that a is there not a sexier term for it though? No. <laughs> I feel like there is, or someone just make one up and we'll start using it. I can't with you. I cannot right <laughs> now. I'm so many help. Okay, so they eventually moved into North America. Um, which caused waves of destruction due to the spread of their fun diseases. And when they finally settled in Florida, they were met with a native uprising in 1597. Um, And the Spanish continued their upward venture into New Mexico and laid siege to a large established native village. Uh, The Acoma had high walls and cave systems, and that gave them a really good... uh, I guess, battleground to defend themselves against the Spanish because the Spanish had advanced weapons, but they had the high ground. Yeah, like they, it's like home, home field advantage. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, they eventually killed all the Spanish and breached their walls, killed 18, killed 800 of their 1500 citizens, including 300 women. Uh, The remaining women and children were used as servants and the men were punished by cutting off a foot. All right, lefty. Yep, there you go. <laughs> okay, I do have a question. Okay. In warfare, since women were basically thought of as equals in battle, did women go to battle or were like, did they know how to defend themselves? Um, so I'm not entirely sure. Every, like I said, every tribe was different. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, the women had um, use of some weapons, but the men were generally considered warriors. And again, that's the whole, you know, I'm pregnant or I'm menstruating, I'm nursing, I have to be at home versus, you know, leaving and being able to go off and do whatever you needed to do. Yeah, like obviously she has like if they're using like stone like knives or whatever like Mm -hmm. she obviously would know how to defend herself with that like oh for sure close combat even if it wasn't like battle situations right so like my other question was do you think that when the native people were attacking the europeans did they also view their women as equal like were women like don't kill the women and children. Yeah, I don't think it was like that. I think they were probably, um, especially at this point, they were probably like starting to get fed up with the bullshit. And so they were like, hey, pretty much everybody's fair game. Yeah, like, because I'd guarantee you that the Europeans didn't not kill their women and no. children. No, not at all. I, I wouldn't, I would not imagine that they did, but I would just. Yeah, so it was probably, like, retributional. You know, that's kind of the the messed up part about history is that there's no, there's never any good guy or bad guy. Like, the guy that you want to be good has always kind of done some messed up stuff. Yeah. You know, and the guy that you want to be the bad guy has probably done some good stuff along the way, too. Like, there's no black and white here. Well, it's always, like, whoever is the winner. Yeah writes the story like they they tell it like they want it told not how it actually happened oh exactly so like the fact that they even pointed out they killed our european women and children tells me that they in their mind thought that their women Mm -hmm. and children were 
like more valuable. Yes, than the the native people that they were fighting. Right. So that's just another way of them trying to paint natives as savages is by saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, we would never kill women and children and they did." And so it was probably just like another spin on their narrative, you know. Yeah, I would I mean, and you can't say if you're in war in people's homes exactly trying to literally take over their land and enslave them that they wouldn't kill women and children just like as a byproduct for sure and you're telling me they didn't rape women and abuse children i highly doubt it no there's no way the spanish were driven out of new mexico in 1690 by the pueblo revolt uh, the native population had gone from 60,000 to 17,000 in just 80 years and um, in that revolt, they killed nearly 2,000 colonizers and destroyed all evidence of them ever being there. Like, burned their cities to the ground. Oh, my God. That's nuts. I know. But, I mean, come on. They in the, And this is in the West. So, the Spanish occupied um, most of the Western territories in America. So, that... It, and I say America. I mean, United States. In the United States. Um, and... In the Western Territories, they had, in 80 years, wiped out 90% of their population. Well, and they're trying to take it over and be like, oh, we discovered this land. This is our land. Exactly. You don't have a deed to it. This is free land. And they have no respect for the people that live there. And so, I mean, I don't really feel bad for them. Like, if you come in my house and try to harm my family, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah, like... And defend myself. I'm going to try to defend myself however I need to. And so I don't feel bad that they drove them out and burned their cities to the ground. No, they they really deserved it though. Yeah. Like, I mean, you described it just right. Like, don't come in my house. Exactly. That's, I was thinking of um, that joke that I don't even know who said it, but it was like, talking about people who got attacked by sharks like Mm -hmm. why are you surprised you're in a shark's house like (laughs) you're in the ocean sir yeah like you're in a shark's (laughs) house and you look like food of course they're gonna eat you right don't get mad and usually being here in the south if shark come to my house it's because it's food we're finna eat it right exactly (laughs) exactly oh my gosh okay so that's kind of the end of the french or the spanish saga so we're gonna move on to the french um, so the French initial efforts uh, were to colonize Canada, and they were thwarted initially by the natives. Uh, so it wasn't until 1608 that they founded um, Quebec, in, and then in 1673, they found the Mississippi River and made their way into the Mississippi River Valley, claiming it for France. So the Mississippi River was... So we used to be French. Yeah, was a huge... Air quotes. We used to be French. Air quotes. Uh, The Mississippi River and the Mississippi River Valley was a huge, huge asset to North America and the United States area. It still is. Yeah, because it was the only major river that you could fit boats down. And it was so lush and fertile that there are actually, like, recordings and books written about giant indigenous trade communities Mm -hmm. in the Ohio area that these women in this community basically ran like a continental continent wide trade route right and 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 did you hear about that in school no no and one of our vacations in like late elementary maybe early middle school Mm -hmm. was 
um, not far from here, probably about an hour, hour and a half, is um, the Pinson Mounds, which mm-hmm. is like an Indian burial ground that they right. tried to reserve and like try to give local Native American history. Right. Like what, Some. what, the, what is possible? Because like, I mean, Pinson Mounds is a very populated area now. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if I remember correctly, I don't think that the people who quote unquote found it mm-hmm. knew what it was at first. Right. Like they just kind of thought it oh, was Oh no, like, they definitely didn't. They thought it was like weird natural dirt mounds. Yeah. Cause like, like it literally looks like what you would picture, like a big giant like you filled a bowl with dirt and turned it upside down. Yeah. That's what it looks like. And just to be clear to put it in like I guess general terms, like most people think of Tennessee as hillbillies because most of East and Middle Tennessee are mountains and mm-hmm. really big hills. So West Tennessee is actually the first area in Tennessee going westward that actually is mainly flat. Yeah. Like most of West Tennessee is just flat. So I, they probably just assumed mm-hmm. that it was part of the geography of the area. Yeah. And it's the only place that there's really room for agriculture. So I highly doubt that there were many indigenous people in the mountain areas. It was probably mostly closer in, this way towards the river. Yeah. In West Tennessee, um, which is majority like is ridiculously small compared to the rest of the state. Our oh, yeah. Area. Like, we are both from West Tennessee. We're both from Northwest Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And we both grew up, I mean, it's like, what, 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. And how many big towns are anywhere near? Memphis and Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it's a two-hour drive to Memphis from where we lived, and then it's a three-hour drive to Nashville from where we lived. Yeah, so, like... We're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's literally nothing. Like, nothing. even if you go to the states surrounding this area, mm-hmm. it's all, like, farms. Yeah. It's all flat farms. Exactly. So, like, I kind of understand where the this people who just rediscovered mm-hmm. the pins and mounds would have mistaken it for natural geography at first. Right. But, I mean, there's pictures of, you know, white people standing on top of them like they've climbed a mountain, you know, like yeah, they're like, really doing something. And it's like, there are literally people buried in there. Can you please get off of their grave, sir? Yeah, like, just give them the same respect that you would give, like, yeah, a, a regu- like a normal... Ne- modern cemetery right when we have our cemeteries you never see people just like walking like it's a whole thing like you gotta cut and and maybe this is like a southern thing and it's not like this everywhere else but here you're you're supposed to like walk in between the headstones you're not supposed to walk directly on someone's grave like you're supposed to have anyways it's like a disrespect thing but you know we do it to indigenous people all the time so yeah and you know at first if the i understand how like they were proud of Look at this huge, I mean, they really are huge, Mm -hmm. hill that we climbed. But then once you realize what it is, like, maybe just don't. Maybe leave it alone. Yeah. This is how we get movies like Poltergeist. Yeah. Just leave the, just, don't make anybody else mad. Just be respectful of, you know, I mean, it takes, it takes 400 years, but be respectful. Yeah. Um, (laughs) okay. So back to the French, um, they found in Quebec, and then they found the Mississippi River ba- Valley. Uh, so they relied really heavily on the fur trade, which was facilitated by their positive relations with the natives, because um, the native the natives taught them how to hunt 
beaver and how to trap them. Because they don't have that in Europe, do they? Um, probably not nearly like what we have here. Because they were if, so populated. Like, yeah, and I think if they have anything like beaver in Europe, they're probably not as big as the ones that we have here. Because they have room to grow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So this introduction to commerce was not only dismantled Native American way of life, but it introduced disease once again, devastating populations. Is this like populations? Like, is this where those pictures come from? Of, I guess, I think of the movie The Revenant. You yes, know where they have exactly. those giant piles of animals. Exactly. Is this what that is? Well, that and also, um, I mean, there were you know massive hunting of any animal. So, I mean, the the pictures of like when you see buffalo, the massive piles of buffalo skulls and stuff, that is more like middle to Western America, like mm-hmm. Midwestern America. Um, but, but the lo- the smaller animals, is yeah, that this area? Yeah. It was, it was beaver, fox, um, mink, that kind of thing. They were up like in Canada, you know, the warmer animals. Yeah. And then they had, um, some snow leopards. I mean, they had, you know. I'm sure bears if they could get them. Yeah. And moose, like they had an, a massive population, a massive diverse animal population. Oh, Yeah. And because it's cold here, they're all kind of cold weather. Yeah, and they all had animals. the thick furs, which is what they wanted. You know, the fur they would ship that back to, and it'd be like worth its weight in gold. You know, it was crazy popular. Yeah, and then I could see that translating into, like, once it's over there, it's a new commodity. Mm-hmm. You can pri- you can jack the price up. Because, you can charge whatever you want for it. Yeah, it's exotic furs yeah. from the new world. Exactly. <laughs> Roll my eyes. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we're moving on to the English now. Um, So the English were mainly interested in land. Uh, They weren't really interested in subjugating the people, but uh, this means of this means forcing native people off their land. You know, because that's what they wanted was the land. So um, interestingly enough, the marriage between Pocahontas and John Rolfe, which was his name, not John Smith, as in the Disney movie, wasn't he portrayed as, like, an extra, like, what I would call an extra in a regular movie. Like, he was in the movie. Yeah, well, it was. Uh, but he wasn't, like, the main. Yeah, I mean, well, John Smith was supposed to be, like. The hero. Right, but he wasn't. Um, John, it, that's a whole other story. Yeah, we can have yeah. a whole different story on just the the myth that is Pocahontas. Right, exactly. Um, so, the, the marriage between Pocahontas and John Rolfe was real, but it was very rare. So, the English outlawed intermarriage in 1691 um yes they bought land from the natives but it was often coerced after like a military defeat oh yeah so it was like oh you don't want to sell me your land i'm gonna force you to sell me your land and here's like a little bit of money for it here's your ten dollars and i'm gonna take these 200 acres thanks you can't even see the (laughs) The, eye roll the look on her face it's like the worst (laughs) We're just take a picture of that look and then just like post it on Instagram every time. Yeah, it's going to be like the meme is going to be this awful look on my face of exactly. disgust. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so they, the English were actually very thorough in what they did. Um, okay, so they displaced natives more thoroughly than any other European colonists. Um, as Europeans introduced new products and tools, old ways fell off and into disuse, and natives became dependent on modern technology. Well, I mean, I guess if you're 
displacing them out of their homes. They're having to learn Mm -hmm. how to farm and build houses and do all this stuff all over again. Yeah. And And if they see someone else doing something and it's works smarter, not harder, why would Mm -hmm. you? Well, I mean, it's like they would give them these modern tools, these modern weapons, and then slowly but surely, you know, generations later, they had forgotten how to make their own weapons. They had forgotten how to do things themselves. If you think back, like, even in your recent history, I can guarantee you, if not your mother, but your grandmother, or maybe great-grandmother, depending on how old you are, Mm -hmm. they all knew how to sew things by hand. Mm Mm-hmm. That were good quality. They all knew how to sew on a machine. My grandmother did. Yeah. Like, I have my grandmother sewing antique sewing machine out in the shed. Like, it was just, we knew how. And, I mean, I only know how to sew because I went to college for fashion. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't for that, I would not have any idea how to do that at all. My mom taught me how, but... I mean, I can only do, like, basic stuff. Like, sew up a button or sew on a patch or something. Yeah, like... It's just like that. Can't make a dress. And, like, I guarantee you that my daughter's not going to know how to sew. No. Well, I'm going to teach my son. For sure. Well. He's going to know. Damn it. He's not going to come to me at, like, 20 years old and be like, Mom, I don't know how to fix this. Well, that's true. Maybe I should teach her just for that reason. But, like. Do it. it, Logistically. Let's teach our kids more than our parents taught us. Yeah. But, like, this. I mean, if you think about it, like, going back, what, 30 40 years, mm-hmm. everybody knew this skill. Yeah. And how many people well, probably, probably know it now? now? 40, 50 years. Yeah, maybe. Because we're older than we think we are. No, we're not. <laughs> Shut up. I'm not. We're not 34 years old. No nope. God. Okay. So, <laughs> so the English eventually took over the farmland and the cattle, and they cut down all the hunting forests for timber. So That's that was, also their protection from, like, the elements. Yeah, exactly. And the natives actually had a really good relationship with, like, the forest area. Because, you know, we talk about a lot about, in California, like, the wildfires, right? And how there's a lot of dead leaves and, like, debris on the ground. And that can often, you know, start a lot of fires. So, the natives did controlled burning. So, they would burn off patches of that debris on the ground. Which would not only make it easier for, like, the natural foliage and, like, the berries and things that grew in the forest, the mushrooms and things that grew naturally, make it easier for them to grow, but it also prevented, you know, if there was never an an issue with, like, wildfires breaking out. Yeah, because there was nothing to catch on fire. Exactly. But, like, if, if I was going to move out into the middle of nowhere... I think I would want trees sort of around my house, like, yeah. to protect me from the elements. Yeah. So, you don't, I mean, you know, anybody with a with a house knows that when you have trees over your house, you have a lower electric bill because you don't have to spend as much on heating and cooling. Right. But then here in Tornado Alley, (laughs) I mean, trees going down is not good. But it also does protect your house. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't want them, like, planted, like, right next to your house. Yeah. But, you know, pretty close to offer you that protection. Exactly. To kind of, like, buffer that wind. Yeah. And And I'm sure it's the same out west. I mean, I don't know if they have tornadoes yeah out west but like they do have high winds because of they probably don't i mean then obviously they haven't been like texas and oklahoma and stuff but i feel like northern the deserts west. and stuff probably not as but much. they probably have really high winds though yeah 
I mean, just flat. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. I would feel like they would want the extra protection. Yeah. Definitely. So let's just cut it down. That's Screw fine. it. We don't we need don't any trees. That's fine. So the English were mostly on this side of the Mississippi River Valley. The east side? Yeah. So they were mostly in the east. They didn't venture too far west. Um, so then we're going to talk about um, the Puritans a little bit. So, the, so this is what I remember being taught in school. Okay. Yeah. This, the, the This era. This is what you think of when you think about pilgrims and Indians, you know. We're yeah. going to try not to use the word Indian too much, but... Then they're, you know, because we obviously understand that it's disrespectful, but, you know. If we That's s- the terminology that the white people coming over Yeah, used, like- exactly. So, uh, the Puritans had pretty extreme moral codes, um, had no room for individuality or, or autonomy. You know, they were the ones that all wore, like, the black clothing and the plain clothing and, you know, anything lavish was a sin. Yeah, like the bonnets to cover your hair. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, so the native population was around 100,000 when the Puritans came to New England and the natives represented, once again, savagery and temptation. Because that was their big thing. That everything was temptation for the Puritans. Yeah, because, I mean, think about it modern. When you come up upon a new idea, mm-hmm. especially like technology. Right. Do you not want the newest, yeah. prettiest it's addictive thing? Like, right. you're in a new world. Let's try all the new things. I mean... Even without, like, modern technology, just think about you go on vacation. You want to go somewhere new mm-hmm. and try all the new things, mm-hmm. see all the new people, right? eat all the new food. <sighs> all the new food. Yeah, like, I, I can see why they can, I guess, tell themselves, we're doing this for religious reasons. Right. But secretly, it's the same desire that we all have. Yeah. They just... We don't have the guilt associated with it, right? And Puritanism is is gonna is a major factor in in American. Like I said, I could talk about that for probably hours. But Puritanism is is a major reason that we feel the way we feel about extra and decadence. And, oh yeah, you know sexuality and why sexuality and things are so taboo in America is because the Puritans, even though they came later, and there were less of them than other groups of people. They had such a big influence, and I don't know if it was, like, the guilt or what it was, but they ended up becoming a major influence over the way that the country developed. I feel like maybe it it had to be, like, guilt-related. Like, Oh, for sure. Like, oh, look at you. You're a sinner. And people are like, oh, shit. I guess I better stop. Especially this. when you're, claim this, you're claiming the same belief system. Right. Like, I could see how the guilt would totally take over. Yeah. I just... You can skip that with me. I don't feel guilty about anything, so it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, so, like I said, uh, they represented savagery and temptation. Um, they resembled Catholics to the Puritans with their false gods because Catholics have saints, um, which the Puritans and Protestants, you know, viewed as false gods. When Europeans first arrived, many natives saw them as just another group of, you know, the hundreds of others that they had already encountered and that inhabited the land. And so their first thought were that Europeans could bring to the table, you know, like, what can they trade with me? What kind of Uh, things are they going to be able to offer us or teach us and it wasn't like fear or distrust uh natives had a completely different concept of religion and property than europeans had ever encountered they believed in animism 
which means that the great spirit lived in everything, rocks, trees, crops, the wind, animals, and that translated to the land as well. And so in the 19th century, a Native American leader named Blackhawk explained that the land cannot be bought or sold. The great spirit gave it to his children to live upon and cultivate as far as necessary for their subsistence. And so long as they occupy and cultivate it, they have the right to the soil. So like what you're saying is like the spirit lends you the property and it's your responsibility to take care of the property, but you do not own the property. Yeah, okay. pretty much. It, it's it's uh, their their ideation of God is the earth, basically. Yes. And it's this great spirit that, like I said, lives in everything, and it gives you the responsibility of taking care of the property, of the animals, of everything. And if you take care of the earth and all of it, what it gave you, then it will bless you yes. in return. Exactly. Uh, they did have leaders and they were often more highly regarded than the average tribe members, but it was often because of their willingness to share goods among their people. So the reason that people would be considered a leader is because they were so generous and they cared about people like way more than what other people did. So it wasn't like, a monarch, like a king or a queen. Right. Like, uh, they weren't like worshiped or anything like that. They didn't hand down, like, I just think of, cause, you know, Hamilton is so popular. It's yeah. not like, you know, King George, like, I'm gonna tax you and then kill you. <laughs> right. No, no, no. It was not like that at all. I mean, I'm sure they had to, like, dole out punishments or whatever if people did something messed up, but. I also feel like that wasn't super common. I feel like it seems like it was more of like a family relationship. Like you have your immediate family, but then you have the whole family mm -hmm. and then the universe type family. Is yeah. What it seems like. That's what it feels like to me too. Um, so they didn't have a lot of wealth, like we understand it, uh, but they were wealthy people. And it is told that there were no beggars among them. If one person was hungry, it's because they all were. Um, they also had very modern ideas of gender roles, which is super interesting. So women were instrumental in the family, but they could freely engage in sexual relationships and they could choose to divorce their husbands. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So women were pretty much, uh, it, it's not like there were men's roles and women's roles. It was like. Their people roles. Yeah, exactly. And the, the men did the bulk of the hunting because the women, you know, were often like refined like relegated to the house because they were pregnant and it was just like kind of a natural thing that they would raise the kids but it wasn't looked at as their job you know yeah like I mean if I went out and hunted a big animal like a big game animal I couldn't physically bring it back with me right it would make more sense to have my husband go get it right especially like if you're pregnant or have small children you're you're nursing, so, like, you can't just get game to come close enough to hunt them if you've yeah. got your kids, like, in tow. Right, it's dangerous. You're not going to go, like, hunt a mammoth or, like, a jaguar or something with your kids, you know? Oh, yeah. Come on, kids. Let's go hunt an animal. And be very quiet so they don't eat you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I thought it was really interesting that, um, you know, they could... It, there was no such thing as, like, premarital sex. It wasn't, like, a bad thing. It was just, like, you know, we're allowed to enjoy our bodies, and that's yeah. fantastic. 
Uh, so what did Europeans think of the natives? Um, well, they had very extreme opinions of them, and they were either noble savages or brutal and uncivilized. Uh, one Italian sailor described them as beautiful of stature and build. Uh, so that kind of, I think, begins the over-sexualization of native people. Oh, yeah. Because they're exotic, and they're, you know, which is very problematic. I mean, it all, I mean, it's still happening. Like, yeah. the, the Disney version of Pocahontas. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, she's tall. She's slender. She's got the sharp features, the right. long, thick black hair. Like, And indigenous women are, are beautiful, you know, for sure. But that doesn't mean that they deserve to be overtly no. sexualized. It's not, you know, that's not their purpose on Earth. No, they're... They're women, just like everyone else. They don't need to have, like, a different status or title. Like, yeah. I mean, you find that a lot in, like, when European people encounter other other cultures, like African or Asian or indigenous people. It's, they do tend to overly sexualize them because... It's, number one, it's something they're not used to. And number two, it's something that, it's another way of, like, dehumanizing them or, like, making them lower than you. But then, at the same time, the ones that they do embrace, like, the Mm -hmm. few people that you do see them embrace, they whitewash them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They whitewash them. So, figure out what you want, bro. Yeah. Like, if you Google what Pocahontas look like, that... Picture is a very whitewashed, yeah, Europeanized version of her. Like she's wearing like a high collar, and like that is not what she would have looked like in her home. No, not at all, not at all. And it's gross, honestly. She doesn't look like a real like. She looks almost like a mannequin. Like it doesn't look. She definitely doesn't look happy. No, not at all. (laughs) Who would be happy with that big collar thing? Oh God, no. Oh my gosh. So, um, they so the Europeans definitely um, the negative outweighed the positive in their views over time. So they came to regard the religion, the land use, and gender relations as barbaric. Uh, They thought the natives had no real religion or worshipped the devil. Since Christianity was thought to precede true civilization. So their religion seemed to encourage Euro expansion. So they definitely started to use their Christianity as an excuse to, you know. Do what they wanted. Yeah. To dehumanize these people because they weren't Christian. I like how they just automatically. They're not doing what we're doing. So it's automatically the devil. Yeah. Exactly. Like, first of all, if you're going to go into this. Let's talk about you're supposed to, one, love one another. Two, if your mission is to convert people, don't talk down on them. Don't talk bad about what their beliefs are. Like, first of all, learn what they're talking about. Yeah. And then come at them with, like, true intentions. Like, you truly mean well. Yeah. Like, this is, I appreciate what you have. This is what I have. It's just an option. Yeah, just... Throwing it out there. Like, yeah. It's not, nothing's right or wrong. We could just probably go ahead and insert here that Lindsay is a Christian and I'm not. Um, I'm pagan and she, you know, we both kind of practice a little bit of witchcraft. Yeah, like we're just kind of, not yeah. dead on. No. We're just a little off to the side of we like our We like our tarot cards and, um, you know, our candles and incense and stuff like that, but... 
uh, very open-minded and very understanding of other people's beliefs. And that's just what we want to say that if we mention anything about religion, what we're talking about is the way that people utilize their religion as a weapon, not the religion or the faith itself. Yes. Like, I honestly, I don't care what you believe. Yeah. Me either. It's just, I mean, it's whatever makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. And we're just speaking from the background that we have. Like, right. we both were raised in a very rural area, and it's very conservative. And in very, the Bible Belt. Yes. Very Southern. Very. Yeah. <laughs> very. Conservative. Yes, and very close-minded. Cons- and single. There's only one narrow path, and that's the only way to do things. And that's just not how we are. And I guess growing up this way. Right. We just. Uh, we understand the background. But not the execution. Yeah. Like, we understand the intentions were probably okay, but not... Yeah. Probably not the best way to go about no, it. No, no. And even then, like, I have my problems with, like, missionaries and... Because it feels like whitewashing. Like, yes, it does. you're going to these other countries and telling them that that's the way that they have to live to be a good person. And it's like, you're just erasing their culture. Yeah, like... Maybe we should mind our own business for a little while. Whoops. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We Sounds should like a good idea. The rules that I give my children. You worry about you. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe a little. Okay. So, um, well, within the native gender roles and the division of labor, the Europeans saw weak men and mistreated women. Uh, the men simply engaged in leisurely activities like fishing and hunting, you know, because to the Europeans, those were leisure activities. Because they had to go to the factory or right. whatever. Yeah, well, there weren't factories back then. Well, whatever like the, the jobs were. 16th century. Right. No, no, but I mean, hunting was generally reserved for... Enjoyment. Right, for the royalty, the nobles or whatever, right? So, um, and the women... jealous. Right. And the women were like enslaved to the fields. So that's what they saw. They didn't understand that this was just how they lived their life. And that was how they made sure that everybody had enough to survive on. Yes, because it sounds like if, you know, like what I can relate to is like when, you know, back a few generations here in America, Mm -hmm. you have 13 kids, hope that. A couple of them survive, but yeah. also somebody has to help you with the land so that your family can eat. Mm-hmm. And if your family can't eat, then your neighbor's family can't eat because this is, I guess, community yeah. property. Yeah, we all work together. They claim to want, uh, they claim to want to convert natives, but they did nothing for nearly two decades that they were here. Um, but in 1637, a fur trader was killed by a Pequot native. And the Pequots were a very powerful tribe in the northern, like, United States. And um, so what happened, uh, because the fur trader was killed by this person, the Puritans lured the soldiers of this village away to, like, and they baited them, basically, you know, we're going to fight you, you know, come over here, we're going to fight you. They lured them away from their village. And uh, then, while the soldiers were gone, they sat the vi- they set the village on fire and surrounded it and killed all of the women and children as they tried to escape. Because that's not simple. It's probably fun. Yeah. What? What? I don't know the numbers of the commandments, but thou shalt not kill. It's probably in there somewhere. 
Yeah. One of the ten. And <laughs> thou shalt not lie. Let me lie about what I'm doing and yeah. then go kill your friends and family. <laughs> yeah. So the so the Pequot natives thought that they were going to fight this war, but what they were really doing is being lured away so that they could murder all their women and elderly and children. The people who were least able to defend themselves. Yeah. And so do you know what they do with the guys? No. After it was all over, so all the male warriors, they captured them and sold them into slavery in the Caribbean. I've never heard that before. Totally happened. That's nuts. Yeah. And you're not going to hear that. They're not going to talk about that in U.S. history, you know, 101 or whatever. No. Not at all. Because, like, the only slaves I've ever heard of in the Caribbean are African slaves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've never heard that before. So, one Puritan said the fire was a cleansing from the Lord. Or, let's look at it this way. Maybe it was Satan. Yeah. Maybe you white devils did that. (laughs) (laughs) Not white devils. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. The battle for the continent is what this section of my notes is titled. The mid-18th century, uh, the natives had given up on direct military confrontation with the Europeans. Because obviously they figured out, you know, they have superior weapons. They're, they outnumber us a little bit. Like, we're kind of screwed if we face them head on. So, most of the remaining natives have been pushed into the Midwest, uh, which is what we think of a lot of, you know, when you picture, like, indigenous people and you see them in movies, like, they're always in the desert. Yeah. So. But that's not right. the natural case. Like, right. For sure. They were all over the country, all over the continent. So All over both continents. Yes. Let's be real. Exactly. Like, I mean, that's why all like Central and South Americans have this natural like look to them. Like Like the dark skin tone. Yeah. Yeah. Because they all were here first. Yeah. And then the good the good majority of Central and South Americans are Partially indigenous and then partially mixed with Europeans and then back in and then back out. Yeah, for sure. So, well, there, I mean, like, for instance, I've seen videos from, like, Panama, which is literally a south in Central America as you can go without mm -hmm. going into uh, South America. Right. And you can look at families and then, like, it will be brothers and one will look, like, 100% Native American and one will be... Like, as white as you can get. Like, right. And, but they're, like, same parents, same everything. It's just the way that they were forced to, like, intermarry and then separate mm-hmm. and then intermarry again. Like, right. the traits are just so mixed bag. Like, you, it's like a toss-up. Like, you could have one kid that has the dark features and the dark hair, and then your next child could have blonde hair, blue eyes, like, yeah. super pale skin, and it's just, like, luck of the draw, kind yeah. of. It, I mean, it shows the whitewashing... That happened. Genetic whitewashing. Yeah, yeah. like literal. The, trying to like literally eliminate right, like the breed, people that were here. Breed them out. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I know that this is totally my, this is off topic and, well, not really, but uh, this is totally me being a sheltered American. But um, I went to a uh, winter solstice fest, like a winter solstice um, ritual Mm -hmm. in Nashville at my friend's house. And um, 
I didn't really know what to expect. It was kind of my first time ever going to one of those. And uh, I don't know if it never registered with me or what that the indigenous people in Central and South America were like they had their own distinct indigenous cultures because like I said I'm just I'm an American so if everything is America you know that's yeah. all we know and, and of that's course all we're taught right and of course I knew about indigenous American people like United States indigenous people but I was there and this woman from who was like leading the ritual the ceremony she was from Guatemala and she spoke Spanish, um, but she also spoke a Guatemalan indigenous language. And then there were people who were, like, dressed up in this traditional, like, it looked very, like, northern Native American to me. But it was obviously, like, from their own, you know, tribe and their own ritual, this Guatemalan indigenous dress. Why did I not realize that, and again, yeah. like you said, it's because I'm from... A rural place in America. Right. We're not educated on this. When you said that she had an indigenous Guatemalan language, I was like, I didn't even know they had another. Like, right. I just assumed everybody spoke Spanish. Like, before the Spanish came, they what, spoke what did they something. spoke? Yeah, exactly. So, they like had... It never occurred to me that they wouldn't speak just Spanish. Yeah. And it, it blew my mind just to hear her. And I was like, that's not Spanish. And my friend was like, no, she's like indigenous and it makes total sense, you know? Yeah, that, like, they had to speak to each other. And I realize how ignorant that makes me sound, but, like, I'm admitting that ignorance because that is how you learn and how you grow. Exactly. Like, I mean, I'll be honest. The education system in America is not that great, and especially in rural areas like West Tennessee. Like, mm-hmm. they don't have the funding to have the the amazing top-of-the-line education exactly. that other more wealthy areas have. Like, I mean, we're yeah. relatively poor. mostly farmers and poor. And right. Honestly, even for, like, the quote-unquote smart kids, mm-hmm. education is not as big as it is in other wealthier parts of the country. Yeah. So, oh, like... Because yeah. I was the smart kid in high school, in school, and I didn't... You know, I mean, you're just not, we don't have access to that type of information. Right. Or we didn't, when we were in school, now you have it in your pocket. So if you're, if you're uneducated now, it's your own fault. Right. There's the whole internet, like, excuse you, but in the nineties and the early two thousands, we didn't have that. No. So. So I guess, and it's not normal. We had encyclopedias. Yeah. Like it's not normal social topic of discussion. Did yeah. you know that Native Americans had their own languages before? Yeah. Like I guess when we're taught it, they, it's just like understood that they did and they mm-hmm. never even talk about it. But then I guess because we're never exposed to it, it never occurred to us mm-hmm. that they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Especially in Central and South America where, you know, we feel so far separated from that because America has, like, really worked to kind of close itself off to, like, the introducing of other cultures and, like, even dignifying other cultures with, like, Like, knowledge, you know? It's all about the European background. Exactly. And it's gross. And I hate it. And I'm white as shit. Let me just go ahead and put that out. If you can't tell, we're both very white. (laughs) Like, I literally had an ancestry DNA test done. And when I tell you that there is not a single drop of ethnicity in me that is not 
English, Scottish, German, or Nor like Norwegian. There's nothing. I have no culture. I'm just wonder bread. Yeah, like we're a product of the yeah whitewashing. I guess exactly. like like we are. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I'm a ginger, by the way. So <laughs> we're we're white. Yeah. It's it's comical at this point. Um, but that being said, we also keep the Google machine in our pocket. So yes. we purposely go out of our way to not continue this cycle of ignorance. Uh, yeah, like willing ignorance. Yeah, for sure. The natives and the French had tried unsuccessfully for years to push back the British in the Seven Years' War. Seven Years' War, seven years, okay. Um, the English victory left a power imbalance, taking any semblance of control away from the natives that they had once had. And in 1793, after several failed rebellions, a group of natives in Detroit attacked um, the British, several British military bases, forcing the British to issue the proclamation line. Um, so this treaty stated that all land west of the Appalachian Mountains was reserved for natives. And then comes the Revolutionary War. Like, that blows my mind that we're not even to the Revolutionary yeah. War yet. There's like, so much that happened, and you just think, like... It gets glazed over. Yeah. At least it did when we went to school. No, you're like, in 1492, Christopher Columbus discovered America, and then we had the Revolution five years later. No, that's Yeah, not, like, that's, that's the works. way that it seems. Yes. I mean, the Revolutionary War was in... 1776, right? Yeah. I don't know why I just completely flipped. I'm just going to point out that the fashion major <laughs> came in with the history. <laughs> just completely left my mind. Like, hello. Does someone take came- my history degree away from me? I know this comes from Hamilton. <laughs> okay, so the Revolutionary War. That's my reference of knowledge of the Revolutionary War is yeah. Hamilton. Hamilton. Okay, can I tell you that I've only watched like the first 30 minutes of Shut up. Hamilton. Okay, well. <laughs> I'm fired from the podcast since my own podcast. Yeah, so now you have homework on top of your already. Yes, I do have Disney Plus, so I will go home and watch it. You have to. I will. Because, like, even Reed grabs it. I'm trying. Reed's my six-year-old. I'm trying to get my son to watch um, the Studio, is it Studio Ghibli or Studio Ghibli mark movies? The, like, My Neighbor Totoro and Kiki's Delivery oh, yeah, Service yeah, yeah. and Princess Mononoke. Like, I'm trying to get him to watch those. So, that's, like, my endeavor right now is trying to get him to watch them. But you have to take a break and watch it. Okay, we'll stop and watch Like, it. just for, if nothing else, just current event yes. reference. Oh, I know, I know. Because, like, like, everybody's I, obsessed with it, right? Yeah, and I understand some of it. And, like, I understand some of the, like, sounds that are on TikTok or whatever. Like, I get it, but it's just. I, it's just one of those things that I just haven't done, and I wanted to go see it in person so badly. Oh, yeah. And then when I didn't get to, I was kind of bummed about it, and I'm just like, I've only, I'm going to go back and watch it, though, I promise. Don't hate me. <laughs> so so we'll start the Revolutionary War. Um, and if I, if I jump around, if the timeline doesn't seem as linear as it needs to, that's because a lot, like, sometimes historians will study things in um, – different sections like our our history doesn't always have to be linear like it can be geographical or it can be you know based on um one event that may may overlap another and then once we finish talking about that event we'll go back and start over the other one you know it's not 
so when I say that, you know, in 1793, they had failed rebellions, and then we jump back to 1776 for the Revolutionary War, it's not that I've messed it up. It's just that I'm getting one thing out of the way so I can talk about something else. Yeah, it's like this line of events mm-hmm. has to carry out. Yeah. But it is co-happening yes. with another line of events. And I don't want to mess up your understanding of one thing by introducing something else halfway through it. Okay, so the Revolutionary War. Um, obviously, the Americans won their independence in 1776 and became emboldened to continue their westward expansion. And this is where we get the whole Manifest Destiny thing from. It's like the end of the 18th century. Uh, so they continue moving west despite the treaty that we just talked about. Um, so that was just kind of like a... It was a pacifier. Yeah, like we'll give you this. But really, we have no intention of keeping it. Yeah, exactly. They were like, oh, well, we just beat the British. We're just going to go ahead and ignore that proclamation. That was before. This is now. Exactly. Um, So It's one of those blackouts. Yeah, just did that happen? Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember that, so we're not going to. Nobody told me. Um, So the natives took a lot of heavy losses during the Revolutionary War. Um, They fought on both sides. As retaliation for siding with the British, the Americans started a campaign in the Ohio Valley to uproot the natives, and the soldiers were ordered to destroy every village and crop that they came across and enslave everyone that they didn't kill. That seems stupid. Yeah. Like, at least keep the food. No. Like, they don't They don't want them to have anything no, to like, come back to, nothing that they could survive on. But I would take it for myself, like, steal it, don't destroy it no but that's the whole point is it's demoralizing that's true yeah so then comes everybody's favorite president thomas jefferson (laughs) he said that driving the natives from the ohio valley would add to the empire of liberty because you know direct quote that's what we need sure another empire right and you know he didn't own like an ass ton of slaves or anything it's fine or have children with at least one, yeah, if not more. Well, had he raped one, and then who? Can I just? Can we touch Sidebar. on this? Sidebar. Sally Hemings was Thomas Jefferson. I love talking about this. Was Thomas Jefferson's quote unquote mistress? If you want to be, if you want to like see, if you go to his house or whatever, you take a tour of where he lived. Um, that's how they paint it, was that she was his mistress. Like it was willing. Right. She was his slave. There was an imbalance of power. He raped her. There's no way around that. So Sally Hemings was actually his wife's half-sister, who was a product of his wife's father raping one of his slaves. So, like, in her mind, I feel like she almost kind of might have known it was an inevitable part of her future. I mean, it's it's all she had already known for her whole life. Her she had That's watched she her mother here. get raped by her mother's owner by you know Thomas Jefferson's wife, Martha Jefferson was her name. Uh her father. So his father-in-law. Yeah. And um yeah, so um I just wanted to point that out that that was her half sister. I I never knew that. Yeah. So like does that make his Descendants, like, his, double cousins or something? His n- nieces and nephews, but also his children. Yeah. Yeah. That's gross. Fine. It's fine. Um, so, um, 
To further his goal, Thomas Jefferson tried to promote farming and assimilation among the natives, and he told the traders to loan money to the natives and hope that they would sell their land to pay back their debt. So this was a, tra- a tactic that was used in Europe a lot. Um, so he, wait a minute. Go ahead. He took their land. Yeah. And then charged them because of their... Well, okay, so if he they... He charged the Native Americans? No, he would loan them money so that they could... Um, he'd be like, oh, we want to help you, like, build up your land and be able to farm, like, really nice crops. So, we're going to loan you this money so you can go buy, like, the seed and go, you know, buy the animals and, and whatever... The, tools. the equipment, right, right, right. And then, when they couldn't pay back the loan, he would just be like, oh, well, I'll just buy that property off of you. I'll just take your land and pay and repayment for the loan that you didn't pay me back. That's disgusting. Yeah. So he was loan sharking, basically. Yeah, definitely. And it was all a ploy just to take their land from them, period. Yeah. Like, he was in it for the long game. Yeah. The, the long con. Yeah. He's okay. A, he's a unique historical character. Definitely. 100%. Um, Thomas Jefferson's fun, and we'll definitely talk about him more in the future. Um, um, yeah, I think we should do a whole episode on the the American Revolution. Yeah. Because it's totally different than what do is you know portrayed. The- Especially now that everybody's on Hamilton. Yeah. Like, it's fun, and it's songs, and it's this, and it's that. But then, they're like, literally standing in the street killing each other. Yeah. Did you know the first person shot in the American, in the American Revolution was a freed black person? Of course it was. The first kill the first person killed in the American Revolution was a free black person. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Because they don't tell you about that either. No. That a black person was the first person killed. No. So uh we're gonna touch briefly on the War of eighteen twelve, um, which gets skipped over a lot. People don't talk about the War of eighteen twelve. But the War of eighteen twelve was so pivotal pivotal in the birth of the Civil War. Yeah, that, I only know that it happened. I don't know what it yeah, happened. Yeah, so after the Louisiana Purchase, uh, there were about 400,000 Americans, like white Americans, living in sacred Native territory. And the Natives began to push back again against assimilation. And they were like, we don't want to be white. Like, we don't want to be Christian. We don't want to speak English. We don't want to do all these things that you want us to do this to be able... This is our home. We want to do what exactly, we want to do. Exactly, exactly. And so, and this is like what? 300 years after they landed and they've been fighting this for 300 years and they're still going like take a hint dude yeah like leave or be happy with what you have yeah exactly be happy like that could be a lesson to everyone everywhere be happy with what you have yeah appreciate what you have and don't steal your neighbor's house <laughs> like i'm just gonna go over to mr jones farm and just take it and kill his wife and kid and be like too bad bro you're gonna like farm my land for me and be my slave yeah it's totally fun so um they uh there was like a revitalization of native culture it was kind of this big like they're probably tired of everybody's shit yeah they're like look We're not leaving. This is where we're from. This is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It started to really come back. Um, They started to, you know, put away the the white tools and yeah, and they were like, you know what, we're gonna go back to the old ways, basically, and do things the way we did them for centuries before. Because, and I mean, even as an outside looking in, their way 
was better. Mm-hmm. And it certainly was better for them. Exactly. So I don't I don't blame them at all for no. being like they were happy. Yeah. Everybody was fed and taken care of and nobody was worried about just putting money in your pocket. Yeah, because like in at the end of the day, it's mm-hmm. just a concept. Exactly. And money isn't real. Correct. Nor is time. <laughs> no. So. No. So. Said um, the ADHD queen over here. Right. So, time isn't real. So, what the British saw when the natives began this major pushback was a chance to get revenge for the Revolutionary War. Okay? So, this is like 40 years after the Revolution. And they um, backed this native general, um, Tecumseh, which you probably heard that name a few times, um, against the Americans. But he was killed in battle, and 800 of his men were killed by Andrew Jackson. Our favorite person. Yeah. So, um, despite financial and geographical odds being stacked against them, the Americans prevailed once again. And their victory broke any remaining native power. Yeah, like... Any kind of... kind of broke... I could see it breaking, like, the spirit yeah. of, like, okay, I'm done fighting. Right. Like, there's, we have nothing left. Like, that's You've all... taken it all. That was our last push. There's nothing else. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Um, so, that's kind of where my notes are going to stop yeah. for this point because um, we have a lot more to cover with Andrew Jackson and the Civil War. And, you know, you think about the Civil War and how it affected black people and the enslaved people in America, but you don't hear about how it affected the Native Americans. Right, because at that point in history... Anyone who was not white mm-hmm. was the enemy. Exactly. Like, they didn't want anyone that mm-hmm. wasn't white free. Well, at least here in our neck of the woods, like right. in the South. Like, yeah. I mean, anywhere. But the thing about the thing about racism and slavery and that like racial division is that it it was so upfront and it was so like forward in the south and everybody knew it wasn't our our dirty little secret like like in the north yeah like, it was the exact same in the north they just hit it better yes like so like uh frederick Douglass, he um was obviously very famous um escaped enslaved person formerly enslaved he escaped for his freedom became a writer and a really good speaker he actually says that he prefers the south because they were the racism on the outside and he knows where he stands in the south yeah and i mean i like that in a person too I, yeah i, I want to like, know what i'm dealing with yeah like i'd rather you be upfront and honest and not like me mm-hmm. than try to buddy up be my friend right and, and be fake me in the back exactly exactly so they, um, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about um, how the natives, uh, like I said, were affected by the Civil War. And then kind of everything that came after um, the Trail of Tears, you know, the forced assimilation, the um, assimilation schools that they put them in, uh, that kind of thing we're going to touch on in the next episode. But this one has definitely gone on long enough. I think we're like at an hour and a half now. Yeah, but, you know. It's a lot to talk about. It is. It's a very large subject. And yeah. And at least, like, half of this stuff I've never even heard of. hmm And I'm not a history major, but I do like 
But you took history in high school and college. But I like history in general, like, as a topic. So, like, without, like, in-depth research, Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever would have learned this. Yeah. Like, as a, you know, just picking up a book or reading an article, like, it's not talked about. Right. Like... So, I will recommend the majority of where I got my information from is from, was Eric Foner's Give Me Liberty, which is a a history textbook that a lot of um, progressive uh, history teachers, like in college, use um, because his focus is not necessarily on, you know, he, he's going to talk a little bit about it, but he's not going to talk about, oh, these are the generals of the Civil War and these are the main battles of the Civil War. He's going to talk about, you know, the way that the Civil War affected enslaved people, the way it affected women, the way it affected indigenous people. You know, that's the f- whole first half of his first book, Give Me Liberty, Volume 1, is about the indigenous population, you know. So that's where I'm, I will post the link, uh, an Amazon link to that book in the comments if you're a major history nerd like me, but that's the book that I definitely recommend. Well, I don't know how to wrap this up. Me either. This is our first time closing this out, so we're just going to be super awkward about it. And um, uh, we are going to have an Instagram post. And we're in the process of making all of the social media to where uh, it will be current. Yes. So we we do have a Facebook group. We have... Uh, an Instagram, we will have a Twitter, and um, we'll probably post about it on our socials as well. But. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, we need to think up a, like a, a kitschy little I know. exit. We're going to have one at some point. Yeah, uh, let's see. Like, I just keep thinking, <laughs> like... I'm stealing my favorite murder, stay sexy, and don't get murdered. But Okay, well, like in Morbid, they say, um, Morbid's my favorite podcast, and they say, keep it weird. And then Ash is so cool. She'll be like, but not so weird that you enslave an entire population of Native Uh, people and try to wipe them out. Okay, well, we can't steal that, but we'll just say that um, we'll see you later, and it's only a matter of crime. Yes. Bye. Bye.